Welcome in, everybody, to episode 149 of the podcast that is sweeping America, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Great show today. Nick Coffey joins me momentarily. So much to get to. Zion Williamson, very likely going to be a New Orleans Pelican. Did not seem very happy about it. I'm not going to lie. New Orleans Pelicans uh, may have gotten a future star, but does he want to be there? What does it mean for the future of Anthony Davis? What does it mean for R.J. Barrett? Does he potentially somehow end up back in New York or in New Orleans with Zion Williamson as part of a trade? Also, name, image, likeness. The NCAA comes out with this new committee that is going to look into the possibility of players being able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. So, for example, if I own a car dealership, I want to have Zion Williamson or P.J. Washington or Tua Tonga Viola or Trevor Lawrence down. I can do that. I can pay them. It's above board. It's above table, all that stuff. Fascinating development in college athletics. And we will wrap one with UCLA, which Steve Alford left that place a total mess because they could now go on academic probation. They might be banned from an NCAA tournament. And we finish with a user-submitted question. Remember, you can always send your questions, Aaron Torres Podcast questions at gmail.com. Somebody comes after Nick Coffey. Speaking of which... All right, and joining me on the phone now, you can hear him Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 Eastern, in the red zone, 790 KRD in Louisville. Uh, here to talk about a lot of different things. Nick Coffey, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing well. How are we doing, brother? Well, I am doing really well. I got a little bit of Zion fever here on a uh, Wednesday night. Uh, name and like, lot, lot to talk about. So I think what we're going to hit on, Zion, name and likeness, uh, maybe some UCLA, because I don't know if you saw this, Nick. We'll get into it later. UCLA might oh, not yeah, be going. I saw it. Oh, my goodness. Well, good thing Nevada didn't give Steve Alford a 10-year. Oh, wait, they did give him a 10-year contract. All right. So, all right, let's jump into it. Before we do, as I tell you every episode, please make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on the Podcast Addict app if you have an Android, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Five stars are encouraged. Make sure... To follow the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Instagram page, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Also, if you have questions for the show, Aaron Torres Podcast questions at gmail.com. Nick, we actually got a question today. I don't want to say this guy kind of calls you out, but he kind of calls you out a little bit. So we're going to get to some user submitted questions later, Nick, and I'm just putting you on the defensive now. You're going to have to defend yourself. Are you ready? I'm, I'm throwing. I'm ready. Okay. All right. Well, good. We'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, obviously, I think the big news, I think in all of sports, Wednesday, well, was it Tuesday night, NBA draft lottery. For nine months, all we've heard is Zion to New York, Zion to the Knicks, Zion, Zion. And the New Orleans Pelicans end up getting the first overall pick. Uh, we all know what's going on by now. New Orleans gets the first pick. Memphis gets the second pick. Third pick goes to the Knicks, fourth pick to the Lakers, and so on and so forth. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you were watching the draft lottery live. What were the uh, initial reactions as you saw it all unfold? Look, I didn't have a real preference in where Zion went, but when I'm thinking of potential landing spots, I'm thinking New York. I'm thinking Chicago, maybe L.A. 
uh, even Arizona or Phoenix, I should say, because the Suns were terrible. I mean, Cleveland was the team I thought about. I never once thought about the New Orleans Pelicans because whoever thinks of the New Orleans <laughs> Pelicans, they are never. the one of the most irrelevant professional teams in America. And look, they could actually be good, but even when they're good, who cares? So I was underwhelmed. I'll admit I'm a Zion fan. I'm still going to watch. I have no reason but to embrace it. I actually think he could work well with Anthony Davis if he wanted to stay there. I know he doesn't want to do that. I've heard some people claiming that, you know, why would you add a Zion Williamson when you've already got a Julius Randle? Aren't they the same player? Oh, well, they're yeah. not at all in any way other than having somewhat of a similar build. So overall, I, I think he could do well there. I just, for some reason, I wanted him to play for a bigger brand team. Look, I'm not a Knicks fan. In fact, I'm annoyed by a lot of Knicks fans. The Knicks stink. They're a joke. They've been made fun of for nearly a decade now, maybe longer. But like people care about them, right? They still make a ton of money. They're lucrative. People care about them. And I just, I never once thought about New Orleans. Once I saw they were going to get the number one pick, I was a little heartbroken, but I've gotten over it. I, I can embrace it. First of all, we'll get into Zion in a minute. Why do you hate Knicks fans? They're, they're, they're harmless. Hate. They do nothing. The they are harmless, but I just feel like I, – honestly, I guess I have a, a personal I, – I have a couple of friends that just one day became Knicks fans for no reason. Like they like they actually have a tiny reason if they wanted to use it as one. Allen Houston's from Louisville here. His dad played at UofL. Sure. He played, of course, at Tennessee and then was a, a, a longtime Nick during my childhood. But like they just one day – I think it was Latrell Sprewell. They decided to be a fan because of them. So I always rib my my friends that are Knicks fans, so I guess that's the reason. I don't hate them. I just – you know, I, I've, I've never really understood – how somebody in this market in where I live could be a Knicks fan. But yeah, I mean, I, look, I was hoping it would be the Bulls rather than the Knicks because I actually just like the thought of him being in Chicago. But mm. now that I've seen that he's going to New Orleans, I'm just thinking, look, I wish it would have been New York. First of all, Chicago and Chicago style pizza, Zion Williamson. I, I'm a little, I'd be a little concerned there if I was a Bulls fan. But uh, <laughs> have you seen the picture of Booker McFarland? Uh, I saw somebody like tweeting about it. So what was the deal? They just took a picture of Booger McFarland and said this is what Zion would look like, something, something. Yeah, if he eats a bunch of the food in New Orleans, I guess they're known for their cuisine. <laughs> they are. That this is what he's going to look like. But it's kind of weird because I never would have thought of it, but they actually look alike. They have a very similar face. I did not see that one. There were a lot of good memes that went around on, yes, there uh, were. on, uh, on uh, Tuesday night. First, my favorite was the picture of Zion – juxtaposed next to Daniel Jones of of New York Giants fame which said uh the 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 Duke athlete that New York fans wanted versus the Duke athlete that New York fans got that was a pretty good one <laughs> that's if, good if you haven't seen it uh, it is on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Instagram page so check that out did you see the other one too Nick it was a Bleacher Report video it was just this like old jack dude uh at the gym playing against like a bunch of like little kids. They couldn't have been more than 10 years old, just like dunking on them, swatting their shots. And it was yes, just, I like, did see that yeah, one. that one was good too. So internet provided a lot of good uh, Zion material on Tuesday night, but so, all right, so let's get into it. Okay. So Nick hates uh, Nick's fans. So that's good to know. Um, what I want to know is this. Okay. So my first takeaway was, uh, you know, we all thought like, right. If the, if the NBA draft, if the NBA wanted to rig the lottery, it would make sense to send Zion to New York. Biggest star to enter the league since LeBron. Uh, New York's the biggest market, as we've said. But then I also kind of thought maybe just maybe there's a little bit of rigging going on here to get Zion to New Orleans. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but hear me out on this. If you remember, 
when the Hornets uh, had to trade Chris Paul, first of all, the NBA stepped in. I think they were the Hornets. They're, they're now the Pelicans, New Orleans. The NBA stepped in. Then when Chris Paul got traded, they ended up with the number one pick to get Anthony Davis. And I was like, huh, did they give New Orleans the number one pick to convince Anthony Davis to stay? But, of course, Anthony Davis kind of came out and said that he wants to be traded. So I guess it means that Anthony Davis and Zion probably will not play together. What do you think of the conversation that um, – first of all, I'll get to that in a minute. What do you think about all the rumors that came out that Zion – is not was not happy with New York and with New Orleans getting the first pick that he kind of envisioned himself in New York because I brought this up on Twitter and I'm just saying you as a college basketball player can now retain an agent and still return to college so there's nothing keeping Zion and by the way I read that he doesn't even have an agent yet that he hasn't hired an agent there is in theory nothing from keeping Zion from returning to college if he wanted to. I would also add, I saw Colin Cowherd on Wednesday morning said Zion should demand a trade. If he doesn't want to go to New Orleans, Colin was basically like, I have no problem with it. New Orleans is a dumpster fire. He's just going to be Anthony Davis seven years from now. So first of all, what do you think about the concept of Zion just not being happy with going to New Orleans and we can get into whether they trade Anthony Davis, whether they keep Anthony Davis, all that? Yeah, I mean – if I'm him and I'm looking and watching this thing unfold, you're seeing that, hey, as you get closer to number one, there's still a chance you could end up in New York or L.A. And I'm thinking if I'm him, Madison Square Garden, that could be a lot of fun. The Staples Center with LeBron, sign me up. Like there's no way he preferred New Orleans. Now, <laughs> I think in the end he'll probably end up you know, dealing with it and embracing it because if A.D. gets traded like he wants, Zion's walking into that being his team. And he's going to be the future of it. Um, so I can understand his visible frustration, visible disappointment. But then again, like we've seen Eli Manning pull a yep. stunt where he's just like, look, I'm not going. And I'll be honest with you, if Zion did it, I, 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 I'm here for the drama. I really am. Because why not, right? I mean, why not force the issue? Why not take advantage of your leverage and, you know. See what happens. Now, again, there's also a, a side where you can really sell this kid on, hey, dude, like, look, this could be your team. There's nobody like because this is such a fresh franchise. Like you will little like if you make this team good and they make a run, like you will, you'll be. I mean, this will be your team, your town in a sense. So I, I'm sure he'll eventually come around to it. But I could understand in real time how he's just thinking, you know what, uh, this is not what I was dreaming of when I dreamed of finding out where I was going to be able to play. Now I know when you sign up. For the NBA, you're not signing up to work for a team. You're signing up to work for the league. Like you don't get to choose where you go. You choose to enter the league, the, the you know the, the the employer, if you will, and then you kind of just get assigned where you go. That's how the NBA works. That's how the draft works in most sports. But you know, in every other walk of life, you don't. I mean, you can pick where you work. So I don't know. Maybe he fights it, but in the end, I think he'll. I'd love the thought of him coming back to college because that'd be awesome for the sport. But I don't think that's happening. Well, it's not going to happen. But I, I will say this. Yes, in the NBA, in, in professional sports, you get drafted by a team, you don't choose your team. But Zion is the rare player that is the consensus number one pick, and he can say, like, I'm just not going to play for you. Now, I, I, I think, one, it opens a couple things, right? Like, like, as much as I would love the idea of him returning to Duke, it doesn't really make sense because the Pelicans could end up with the number one pick next year, or the, you know, whoever, somebody lousy could be, and somebody less interesting than New Orleans if that's possible. But 
there's also the reality as far as Zion Williamson's concerned of because he is such a consensus number one pick, like he doesn't have to say, I want to play for New Orleans, but then it becomes, does he try to orchestrate a trade somewhere else? And that's where it gets complicated because I don't think the Knicks are, have anything, you know, like if he wants to go to New York, I don't know what the Knicks have that they could possibly trade to get that pick. Um, and if the Knicks were going to trade for anybody from New Orleans, I do think that they would rather have Anthony Davis than Zion Williamson. So I, I don't think... Like, I don't hate the idea of, and this was kind of Colin Cowherd's point on Wednesday morning was, like, dude, if you just don't think, like, if you don't want to play in New Orleans, which, by the way, Nick, you brought it up, not only are they just an an irrelevant, boring, uninteresting franchise, they're really poorly run, and they never do anything right. I don't think, as best I can remember, that they've ever made the second round of the play, they've never made it out of the second round of the playoffs since before, since, since they've gotten to New Orleans, And so, like, Colin's point was, like, I don't have a problem if you just say I'm not playing for this organization. But then it gets into kind of the conversation of can you orchestrate a trade? Who would you be willing to go to? All of that kind of stuff. That's where it gets sticky. Uh, one, there's that part. Two, I just think it's totally off-brand for Zion Williamson, the guy who rushed back to play at the college level, uh, has never done anything wrong in the public eye, as best I can tell. I think it'd be totally off-brand, but I also think there's like the concept of, I know he doesn't want to play in New Orleans, but I don't really know how he kind of maneuvers his way somewhere else. Well, I mean, he if he wants to maneuver his way somewhere else, he would have to do something that no but other NBA player has done before, where you are just the consensus number one pick, and you're pretty much just saying, "Look, I'm not going there." And you're right; it would be off brand for him. Um, but look, I've already in less than 24 hours here, I've already just gotten used to thinking about what it's going to look like in New Orleans with him there. And I think in the end, he'll probably. I mean, unless he's got somebody in his ear that's telling him, "Look." You don't want. I mean, th- this is a four-year thing. You'd be there at least four years, and that's a good chunk of your prime. Now, obviously, he can hopefully he plays till he's well into his thirties, and and maybe I don't know, maybe forty. Vince Carter's still playing, but like it's in the end, I think if it's his decision, he'll just you know he'll 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 embrace it and and deal with it. But again, you made what you said right out of the gate there was that he's not like any other guy that's even been picked number one. He isn't. I mean. Not to get into the whole, is he more hyped than LeBron was? Probably not because LeBron was LeBron. But, like, we watched Zion play every night in college other than when he was injured. Like, we didn't see LeBron that much. He had some games on on ESPN, but not not to the level of where this guy's entering the league already as a marketed superstar. So I think because he's rare, you kind of, like, nothing would really shock me at this point. But if it's just him, if he's on brand, I think he'll embrace it and I think he'll, I think he'll crush it in, in New Orleans. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is it's not as though he can just say, like, don't draft me, because then that means he would go to Memphis, and I don't think he wants to go to Memphis anymore. By the way, kind of one of the weird kind of uh, things about, I guess it was Tuesday, I keep thinking it's Wednesday, it was Tuesday night, one of the weird things was, even though the Knicks didn't get the number one pick, I actually thought it worked out pretty well for them. Because I think we all think that Memphis is going to take John Moran at number two. They're going to have an inside-outside conversation with your boy, uh, Jaron Jackson, who you just crapped on all during the draft process last year, Nick. I remember that vividly. Uh, so if Memphis takes John Moran at number two, I do feel like like the Knicks, like, like if, if the Knicks get R.J. Barrett, who, by the way, six months ago everyone said was the consensus number one pick in this draft, 
And obviously you have to assume that they're going to get Durant and Kyrie this offseason because that's been the buzz forever. Like as long as they get Durant and Kyrie or Durant or whatever, like I actually don't hate the possibility of R.J. Barrett being like the third guy on that team. Now, of course, the question becomes, does New Orleans try to trade R.J. Barrett or does uh, New York try to trade R.J. Barrett to New Orleans for Anthony Davis, kind of get their big three going get Zion and R.J. Barrett in New York. But if if R.J. Barrett ends up in New York, like I kind of don't really hate that at all. No, and it, it seems like we are now to the point where for a while it was just, well, lock it up, Zion's number one. Then it was lock it up, Jaws number two. And then now I think it's pretty much confirmed that it's going to be R.J. Barrett at number three, a guy who last year at this time likely would have been yep. projected to be the number one pick in this 2019 draft. So I, I, I didn't love his game as much as I thought I would in college. But he could be – like if you get Kevin Durant, I think R.J. Barrett's going to be a nice complimentary piece. So, yeah, the Knicks I, – I think level-headed Knicks fans – I heard a couple of them today on uh, some of the national shows. They were going out and finding fans in the streets in NYC, and they were all – I mean t- they obviously wanted Zion, but I think they've kind of accepted, you know what, we can still get pretty good value at number three. It's when you get to number four where you really just have no clue what you're going to get. There's certainly a lot to like in the four through 14 lottery range, but clearly you're taking more of a risk when you get past those three. And really everybody's a risk when it comes to the draft. We don't know how any of these guys are going to work out. But yeah, I think in the end, RJ Barrett, I mean, again, the Knicks fans can look and say, look, this is a guy who a lot of people thought was going to be the best player in this draft. If we can get to get him at three, I'll take it. What do you think about the possibility of the Knicks trading a package involving R.J. Barrett, very likely Kevin Knox, maybe Mitchell Robinson, to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis and reuniting R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson in New Orleans. Have you talked about that one at all today? No, but the thought of some of those pieces you mentioned I like. But look, keep R.J. Barrett away from Zion. I still Why? think it's insane that that – I mean, I still think it's insane that – Coach Krzyzewski does not get criticized for the fact that he trusted Barrett way more than Zion in the end of games. I think that was like, if you want to talk about a guy who just rolls the ball out, everybody says that about Calipari. That's what Krzyzewski did with that team. Now, maybe a a good coach can make it work better, but I think those two guys clashed a little bit just because the ball always had to be in R.J. Barrett's hands. And I think a, a a smarter plan would have been to just emphasize, utilize, I should say, this guy named Zion Williamson, who I don't think pound for pound anybody can step to and contain. Wow, so you're just out on the Duke reunion in New Orleans because that was like well, a look. Big- it it would definitely be a storyline, and I'm all for that. But I just I, I got so annoyed watching Duke underachieve last year at times, even when they were winning games. They it, to me they never looked as good as they were supposed to be, and I just felt like they didn't they didn't have the chemistry that was needed. Now they looked really good when they came back from 23 down against Louisville. That was sort <laughs> of the uh, one moment where they looked phenomenal. But look the, for the story, it'd be great. And I kind of like the thought of that many young pieces kind of getting better together. Like that could be exciting to see. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know. I soured on R.J. Barrett a little bit as a player. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that the Zion-R.J. Barrett thing, like it's one thing when you're 18 and you don't know any better, like if from Zion's perspective. And you're just like, oh, this guy's fun. I like him. He was my roommate. It was awesome playing with him. But I could see in like three years Zion just being like, I'm out on this guy. You know, kind of like Durant Westbrook. Like, at first they worked together. They were best friends. You heard that, oh, they hung out together. They played video games together. And then KD got to be like 25, 26 and was like, this guy drives me bananas. I could see the same with uh, with um, with Durant uh, – not with Durant, with Zion and RJ. Anything else on the lottery? I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think it's a three-guy – 
it's a three-guy draft. Um, I don't really have much else in terms of talking points. I think everything revolves around Zion. I can't imagine – I don't think the Pelicans are going to trade the pick. I don't think they're going to trade Anthony Davis before the draft. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. What, 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 were, yeah. what were some of your – The only thoughts? thing I would add on the lottery is that this is just proof that tanking doesn't ultimately really impact your chances all that much. Like you have like you have a 14% chance at best. That means you've got an 86% chance of not getting number one. And this is the, this will be the year people point to and say, look, you can tank if you want, but there's no guarantee it's really going to help you in the end. Very interesting. Yeah, I didn't really understand what they did to make it because that was the big conversation, right? Is like, you know, we're going to change the lottery system to, to de-incentivize tanking. And I, I mean, I guess it, it happened. The, the three teams with the best odds, Cleveland, New York, and Phoenix, none of them got uh, even a top two pick, let alone the number one pick. So yeah, I don't disagree with that. I've never had a problem with tanking. I just think it's a means to an end. Uh, I think that at times, like the Philadelphia 76ers took it to an extreme, but like the 76ers were in the second round of the playoffs this year. They could have easily been, they were a shot away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I really have no problem with that. All right, so let's move on because there are other things to get to, including big story on Tuesday where the NCAA – and the NCAA comes out with a lot of committees, I've noticed. They, they, got a, they got a committee for everything. But there is a new committee to look into name, image, and likeness. And, and for people who don't know what that is, basically the idea is this, is that for years – We've kind of talked about college athletes. They need to get more. They need to get a larger cut of the pie, right? And so there's kind of two modes to do that. One is to just pay them straight up. Hey, the the athletic department makes fifty million. Uh, you get a check every month for however much, whatever it is. The NCAA said we're not doing that. We're not going down that road. But the other option is to allow players to kind of capitalize off their name, image, and likeness. So, for example. Uh, you know, Nick Coffey Chevrolet down in Louisville. They want to have, um, you know, the star player, of the Louisville football team down for an autograph signing. That player can now sign autographs or take pictures or whatever and do it for money. And so that's a way to get some money into po- the, the pockets of players. Obviously, we've seen players in the past like Zion Williamson, or not Zion Williamson, like Johnny Manziel, like Todd Gurley get in trouble for taking money for their autographs. So this is kind of the conversation kind of starting towards maybe we allow guys to sign autographs, to do whatever it is that they can to make a little extra money on the side. As I said, Tuesday, the NCA said they're going to put together a committee to look into this. Nothing has been decided. Uh, but what do you think, Nick? I mean, like I said, they, players will not be getting paid. They will not be getting a paycheck. They will not be employees but the possibility does exist now that they can sign autographs, do other stuff for extra money. I think it's the best idea the NCAA's had in a while. Now, it could get a little messy, could get a little, uh, you know, you got to make sure you regulate it and it's not, you know, there's not uh, things happening that are, I guess, bending these rules. But this is cert- this is what, I mean, this is, this is America, right? The NCAA claiming people can't benefit from who they are, like it's almost like, I mean, that's that's insanity. They they act as if they own you. You can't be yourself and you know they claim that well the only reason anybody would ever want to work with you is because you know you play for this university and you can't benefit from that. Which I get that to an extent, but like this day and age with social media, big time recruits, football, basketball, they already are. I mean, look at Zion. He was a marketed star before he entered high school or before he entered college, I should say. 
So I think, and also what this does is that it's not pay for play, meaning you don't have to worry about, you know, the women's soccer team not getting a cut of the pie because, well, they, they would if somebody wanted to endorse them. Like sure. it's, but by definition, you are worth what somebody's willing to pay you. And if a car dealership wants to pay a player a hundred grand for a year to do commercials and whatnot, then they should be able to do that. It's a free country. And again, this I think is something that can be done outside of, in, you know, here's what I don't know. And it's, it's kind of a random question, but it's one of the first things I thought of that as they are, like, let's say there's a car dealership with a commercial, like you probably can't wear the gear of the team, right? Like you would just have to be you, the regular, you know, you'd have to be you, the, the person, not you, the basketball player, or the football player, which look, look, matters. We know who they are. Why do you say if, that? if they're advertising in this market, you, you know that? who they are. Why do you say that Zion Williamson couldn't wear a Duke uh, uniform or a Duke polo in a car commercial? Well, because I think at that point, it's, you truly are utilizing the Duke brand to do it. And I think Duke would then want to cut, right? I mean, they would probably want to be partnered in on that. I mean, I, I just, yeah. you know, I I think, it, look, not to say that can't happen, but that's just a different element of it to where maybe the schools can work with their own players on getting rep, you know, getting endorsement deals. I mean, that's my line of work. I mean, a lot of the money that I make from doing radio is the endorsement deals. We have people who sell it. Maybe they, maybe they have a department with the athletic department to, um, you know, handle that kind of stuff. But then again, I think you would probably like, I think it has to, for it to be handled the best way possible. I think it would have to be something outside the school because I think in the end, like if you, let's say Aaron Torres takes over, takes a new gig at the University of Louisville and you are in charge of handling the endorsements for student athletes. Well, clearly you're going to have a lot more clients coming out to you to reach out for football and basketball players than you would, you know, the, the, the lacrosse team. And I think that would kind of look bad on you as a guy who's only representing the main sports. Where I just think if you keep the schools out of it, you, you less have to worry about the complaints of, well, it's not fair because we're not getting endorsements anyway. I think it is fair because literally if you're worth it, somebody can pay you for it. So maybe that's, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I just kind of wonder how they would, how would they would mix that? Because if in fact the, if in fact you were wearing a Yukon Huskies hoodie in your commercial, Yukon could claim, hey, you know, we want a cut of that too. Yeah, I actually, now that I think about it, I think you're, I, I don't know if you're right or wrong on that, but the more that I think about it, like, yeah, LeBron doesn't really wear a Lakers jersey when he's in a Nike commercial or uh, whatever, uh, McDonald's commercial or whatever. Uh, first of all, I agree with you. I, I've never kind of understood the concept of things that are your own not being able to capitalize on this. I, I've, I've shared this story a few times, maybe on the podcast, maybe not. But I remember all the way back, and I think it was 2010, maybe 2011, A.J. Green, who's now with the Cincinnati Bengals, he got suspended like half the year. I think it was six games, maybe four games, for selling a, a game-worn jersey, his own jersey. I believe it was a bowl jersey. And like he sold the, the bowl championship ring or whatever. And I kind of right there said like, I'm usually pro NCAA, but it's his jersey. Like, like, how can he not sell it, right? I mean, where- the Carolina players selling the Jordan shoes. Remember that one? I, I do. Yeah, I do. And, but even that, like, the, the if they're school issued shoes, like, I don't know. Like, a jersey is different. It's got your name on it. Everything like that. But I, I do. I was kind of confused by that, and I remember saying this at the time was like. So if AJ Green like wanted to sell his couch on Craigslist, and Craigslist was a thing back in 2010, but if AJ Green wanted, to, so he can't sell his jersey, could he sell his couch on Craigslist, or is that against NCAA rules? Like, like where do we draw the line? And so I have no problem 
with the idea of being able to capitalize on your likeness. I do agree that it has to be regulated. I actually think, Nick, it has to be regulated by the school. I know you said an outside entity. I don't. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know who. Like, I don't know what the kind of the construct of it would be. But I do think it has to be regulated because I don't think you can just have um, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you can't just have people offering uh, to a Viola $500,000 to do whatever, to show up at my celebrity golf tournament or what, what I, I can't, I can't, you know, kind of analogize it. I don't know what, what he could get at that, you know, in that town, whatever. But I do think like it is like, I do think there has to be like a central system like like if if you want to get an Ohio State athlete you actually have to call up the school I don't think coaches I don't think the administrators want um you know boosters and people that uh you know are hanging around the program to just show up on campus and say hey Tua I'll slip you you know 100k or whatever to come to my car dealership right or with recruits I guess it would be the same thing and so I would think that you would have to do it through the school. All the requests come through the school. They get funneled down to the players. Uh, I don't mind it, though. I don't mind it. I do think there's some things that kind of have to be worked through, but I don't have a problem with it kind of in the bigger picture. You and I are on the same page about it's, it's, there's such a small, tiny percentage of athletes that truly get exploited. And I think if you have the opportunity to make some money in this, with this, you know, this lane, if you will, then maybe that would minimize the people who are screaming that all these guys are, you know, being taken well, advantage of, because that's just not, really not the case. I was going to say, people will not stop complaining on the internet. That's one thing that I've learned. We could be paying yeah, that's true. college athletes hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. People would still be complaining on the internet. So, Well, think about it this way. Here's another just example. And I threw this out on my show this morning that – Look, it, with the way these guys are covered in high school now, I mean, they, if they really felt as if they were being taken advantage of by going to college, they could literally sign an endorsement deal, multiple endorsement deals, live a healthy and happy, rich life for one year and then enter the draft the following year because they would have – if they're high, if they're a highly enough ranked recruit – they could literally cash in on it. But the reason they don't do that is because they realize college benefits them. Zion Williamson benefited from a year in college. So just another example of – like I understand it's it's crazy to think of everybody else filling their pockets and these guys aren't necessarily. But it's not as if they get nothing out of it. In fact, it's the best route to get to the NBA. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I agree with that last part because – like people say all the time, like, oh, well, you know, they, 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 well, like, like these guys, you know, they're, they're missing out on a year of marketability. Like how many guys, like even Zion Williamson, Zion's the extreme example. He had whatever, a million, two million Instagram followers before. But like, did anybody, did anybody really know who Cam Reddish was or who Nasir Little was? I mean, you could argue maybe Romeo Langford, maybe RJ Barrett. But even then, like, what kind of deal are they getting, right? So I'll give you an example. Like, the kid Darius Basley, Baisley, whatever you say, that was supposed to be uh, committed to um, – he committed to Syracuse. Then he decided that he was going to play in the G League this year. And then he went ahead and uh, actually pulled out of the G League, and he's just been training. Like, that guy – got a shoe deal but it was like this super crazy incentive-based deal and blah 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 and the the number says 14 million but if you actually read kind of the fine print of the deal it's like a million dollars and so yeah a million dollars when you're 18 when you're not playing basketball it's fine but then there's also on the back end like you could lose a lot of money but I I do think the point is kind of there Nick in the broader sense that like if these guys 
want to make money right away out of high school, there are plenty of options. And I've said this a million times. I find it amazing that no one is talking about this besides me. The G League now offers $125,000 to high school players per season to play in the G League. Nobody has taken it. You can go overseas. You can do this. You can do that. And so I agree kind of in the general sense that, um, that like, yeah, if guys want to earn a little bit of extra cash, like, like if guys want to make a living, they can do it outside of basketball or do it outside of the NCAA structure. But I also don't think it's, it's very bad the way that it is. Um, and I also kind of back to the name, image, and likeness thing, I also have no problem if they can pick up a little bit of extra spending cash while they're in college. Let me ask you this, Nick. This came up on one of the interviews I did the other day. Do you think it, do you think it impacts kind of the team construct of, of, of athletics at all? Like in the sense that – and I'm not saying because in the NBA it happens all the time, right? Like LeBron has every, every endorsement deal in the world and Kyle Kuzma – doesn't make as much money as LeBron, right? But like, imagine if this kind of name image likeness thing was available this year. First of all, let's just use Duke as an example. It would be insanity trying to get access to Zion Williamson. I mean, think about how much media requests there were for Zion Williamson. Now imagine if every place in Durham, every national brand, whatever, is trying to get Zion to be their spokesman or their pitch person. One, and so this is kind of where it comes back to what I was saying is like, that they need to kind of figure some stuff out. But like one, how does it affect, you know, I don't know, how does it affect the the short term? But then also, like how does it affect inside the locker room? That's kind of one of the things that I, I like. I don't think we should not do it for this reason, but I do wonder if Zion Williamson, everybody wants that guy, and then Cam Reddish just sitting in the corner like, dude, I was a top five recruit too. Like nobody wants me to go to their car dealership or – uh, you know, Alabama, Tua Tonka Viola. Nobody wants everybody else. I don't know. I just, I just wonder if it does affect kind of the team dynamic at all. And that's, by the way, not a reason to not look into this. I'm just thinking in the big picture, 10 years down the road, are we going to hear a John Calipari or a Nick Saban or somebody of that equivalent saying, you know, things were going good, but then, you know, Zion started doing his interview, started doing his endorsement deals and it really tore apart the locker room. You know what I mean? That is one aspect of it that I hadn't considered at all, but it certainly makes sense. The jealousy factor, which it's a real thing. I mean, these guys are young. I mean, they're, they're still technically kids. I think it would be natural for them to kind of be envious of a guy that's getting more of a cut than they are. And coaches would hate this because imagine like a guy saying, I hey, coach, I'm going to like to practice. I'm working on this deal. Like that yeah. would be. I mean, that would be unheard of. So that, that goes back to what you mentioned a moment ago is it's got to be regulated in some way. It's got to be to where it's, you know, maybe there's a, a cap on it to where you can only make a certain amount or, and, and you've got you've got somebody that is dedicated to handling this entire process to where the players are kind of out of it. Because, um, yeah, I mean, now I'm thinking about the inner, you know, how it would affect just the everyday life of a student athlete. And it would definitely be something we've never seen before. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And I, I just think, and by the way, this is why they put together committees to kind of figure stuff like this out that we're talking about now. Um, I think there are other issues like, uh, oh, by the way, uh, what happens if Nike comes to Zion and says, or Adidas comes to Zion and says, we want to endorse you, but Duke has a deal with Nike. There are a million different things to consider. And so I don't have all the answers. I don't know what happens. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, like you said, imagine if Zion was just like, yeah, sorry, coach, I was late. Uh, you know, the, uh, the shoot over at the car dealership went a little longer than planned. Like, I don't think that's going to fly. So 
All right, last little thing for today's show. Well, a couple things real quick. First of all, did you see this UCLA story, Nick? So Yes. UCLA. So first of all, there's this big narrative, right? If you're a one-and-done player, and Adam Silver himself, the commissioner of the NBA, has said this. Well, these one-and-done guys, you know, they once the second semester starts, they don't, they don't even go to class. It's like, no, that's not true because there's this thing called the APR. And I think everybody listening kind of has an understanding of what the APR is. But for people who don't, basically, you have to – you all your players on your roster are basically graded on if they basically finish the semester in good academic standing. And so it, the APR can be affected by if you have guys transfer and they don't finish class, if you guys ha, if you have guys leave early to the NBA or NFL draft and they don't finish class. Basically, all the NCAA wants you to do is make sure your guys finish the semester and do what they're supposed to do. But if they don't, you get punished and your APR score is affected. So a thousand is a perfect APR score. And then there's a sliding scale down for guys that don't complete a semester. And basically what they do is they do a th- they do a four-year kind of score. So you get a score every year for your APR. They use a four-year average to determine how you're doing. And if you fall below a certain threshold, you can be punished, including with an NCAA tournament ban. By the way, UConn in 2013 was banned from the NCAA tournament because of a bad APR. By the way, the rule wasn't even in place when they uh, broke the rule, whatever, blah, 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 but they were suspended. They come back the next year, win the national championship, and that was where Shabazz Napier said on the podium, you guys tried to keep us out last year. We had to show you that we belong. So I bring that up today because of this, Nick. Story comes out on, I guess it was Tuesday. All these stories came out Tuesday. I don't know why I keep getting confused by this. And UCLA does not have a very good APR over the last four years. And there's a very real possibility that following next year that they have such a bad APR score that they could be banned from the 2021 NCAA tournament. So keep in mind, Steve Alford fired for not winning enough games. Also, apparently, his kids aren't going to class and they might miss the tournament in 2021. So uh, my thing is it got worse every year. From 15 to, I guess now 19, it has dropped, and it, it they're they're in serious trouble here. Now, what I would love to know is that is this guys who were sticking around, or did they fall victim to guys going pro and simply just saying, "See you later, I'm not finishing school." Because that's one of those things that nobody really pays attention to. But if you have a guy who leaves early, like coaches need make sure they tell these guys, "Look, I get it, I understand, but hey, finish the semester." Oh yeah, no, and this is this is a big thing, and I will say, like in UCLA's defense. Um, Part of it is, like, if you have one kid just leave school, like, I don't think it really impacts you. It's it's a cumulative effect of two, three, four years. And the one thing that UCLA, it has been, they, they've lost a lot of guys early to the NBA draft. And what's ironic about it is, is that really, like, the years where they had the most guys leave early, so, like, 2017, which is the year they had Lonzo Ball, the year they had TJ Leaf, the year they had EK Anabogu, they had, I think, three guys declare early for the draft, that was their highest APR score over that stretch. And so last year it fell to 905, so that was in 2018. They had uh Aaron Holiday leave early and maybe somebody else transfer or something, but um yeah, like I I don't have a good answer as to why it is, but that that's the crazy thing is yes, they've lost a lot of guys early to the NBA draft, 
But the years where they've lost a lot of guys aren't necessarily the years where the scores are bad. Yeah, and I mean, I'm thinking like back to because it feels like UCLA has had a bunch of you know TJ Leaf's the perfect random guy that you kind of forget was even an early entry to the draft. Um, but like, what can Mick Cronin do now? Like, I mean, it's one of those things that like even if he gets it headed on the right direction, they're still going to have to pay the price for how bad it got. Oh, there's nothing he can do. I mean, you know, Jim Calhoun retires. It comes out like six months later that that the NCAA, like Kevin Ollie's first year as UConn head coach, they had an NCAA tournament ban, and there was nothing Kevin Ollie could do. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know what Mick Cronin can do other than I, I I think if I've read the reports correct, is like if they get like a perfect score, I don't know. Basically, they like I still think they can do enough in the next two years to raise it up, but. They did have three guys declare early for the draft this year, Chris Wilkes, Jalen Hands, and Moses Brown. I don't know. I think Hands and Wilkes are definitely going to stay in. I think Moses Brown is considering coming back. But, like, if those guys didn't finish the semester, like, I think there's a real possibility that UCLA could be out of the NCAA tournament in 2021. To answer your question, Nick, I don't think Mick Cronin can really do much of anything about it. Yeah, I mean, he still would have taken the job even if he would have known just given that he was going from Cincinnati to UCLA, but certainly not an ideal starting point, especially if they actually out of the gate get momentum. I know and I think Rothstein and, and other guys, I mean, a lot. I mean, again, it's it's May, but like I guess some of the writers who got access to Cronin once he got there were talking about, wow, just these three players specifically are clearly much more talented than anybody he ever coached at Cincinnati and just claiming that, hey, there's actually a lot to work with here. But yeah, it'd be a real bummer if they end up actually maybe finding a way to get in this year and then all of a sudden they've got the momentum and then it comes to a complete halt. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think we'll see. We'll see. By the way, how about shout out to Steve Alford? Gets fired from UCLA. Not only because he wasn't winning, but now we find out his kids aren't going to class. They're not finishing the semester. Nick, I've been arguing with Nevada fans since the day that Alfred was named the favorite for the job before he even officially got the job. What does it say about Nevada that they just gave this man a 10-year deal? Somebody brought up this point to me the other day. So John Calipari got a lifetime contract, whatever it was, a month, month and a half ago. Outside of John Calipari, I'm pretty sure that Steve freaking Alfred who just got fired at UCLA, has the longest contract, the, the most guaranteed years on a contract of anyone in college basketball, 10-year contract. First of all, you knew he had a 10-year contract, right? Tell me you knew. Yes. So it's insanity. So for people who don't know, Steve Alford got a 10-year contract from, from Nevada. I think my understanding is they got burned by Musselman. Musselman left. They wanted to make sure the next guy didn't view the job as a stepping stone. So Steve Alford kind of came in there. His agent kind of finagled things. But a 10-year contract for a guy that not only isn't winning, but he just left his program in shambles. They may have to miss the tournament because of academic stuff. Insanity. Yeah, and he's always falling up, man. Now Nevada's not falling up from UCLA, but like the 10-year deal thing is something that just was not necessary. But hey, he lucked out again. <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. Uh, I don't get it, but I'm done arguing with Nevada fans. All right. So as I said at the top of the show, you can always submit questions to the show, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. I got a bunch today. I'm actually going to hold a few of them. I do have one, though. Todd chimes in. Aaron, love the podcast. Two things. Will we see men's NCAA basketball go to four quarters? I don't know. I don't really care. I don't think it helps. I actually like the two halves. 
I like it the way it is. But here's here's the second part, Nick, which which was interesting to me. It said your boy Nick Coffey said in response to Kentucky getting another five star, and I'm guessing this is Johnny Juzang who committed last week. Your boy Nick Coffey said in response to Kentucky getting another five star, as well said in the getting another five star. They are getting middle of the road five stars and not elite five stars, so they can expect the same outcome they've been getting. Basically throwing shade at Cal. Well. Coach K has had two years of elite five stars. Where are his final fours? This is what Todd wants to know, Nick. Where are Coach K's final fours? You didn't throw any shade at Coach K. Are you kidding me? I've been throwing shade at Coach K for over a year now. What? I mean, look, I, why do you love Coach I K? I said so much? what I said about Kentucky, and I stand by it. Calipari is still getting highly ranked recruiting classes, but the ingredients are different. He's not featuring one of the best of the best in the class anymore, and that's when he had his best teams. I stand by that. They're still going to be ranked number one because they picked up Ju Zhang, but is he one of the top players in this class? No. Now, to be fair, I don't know if there is like a Zion or an RJ in this particular class, um, but I stand by that. And look, this is just a Kentucky fan that wants to make sure people realize Krzyzewski's not specific, you know, not, he's also underachieving substantially. He's, he's not done anywhere close to what he should do with the talent he has. Not only this past year, the 2017 team that had Jason Tatum, Luke Kennard, that team should have been a lot better. Um, so if you would have asked me to talk about Krzyzewski, I would have done it. I've done it many a times on my show. So I uh, stand by what I said. And if you want me to, I mean, uh, anytime I mention Calipari, I don't have to bring up Krzyzewski. I mean, why do you why do you always defend Shashevsky, man? I feel like you're defending. Stop it! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I saw that email this morning. I said it's perfect. So uh, I'll say this: I can't speak for you, Nick. I think that you've been pretty critical of Coach K. I think you and I honestly have actually been a little bit ahead of the curve on this. Totally uh, agree. Yeah, even dating back to we started this podcast during the 2017-2018 season. When they lost with Marvin Bagley and Gary Trent, like we were like, yeah, like that's probably the best team in the country. It turns out Villanova was actually the best team in the country. We didn't fully probably realize it at the time. But I think we were both pretty critical of them. Um, so you, by the way, I don't necessarily disagree with the concept that you're not getting that, that Calipari, uh, the last couple cycles, and this may change, by the way, as we're recording right now, uh, Jaden McDaniels, who's like the number five or six recruit in the country, he may commit. Um, and if he does, uh, that'll probably be like the highest ranked recruit that Cal's gotten in a while. I don't disagree with the concept that like they haven't gotten those um, that they haven't gotten those elite, elite, elite guys. But no matter who those elite guys are, like every year it becomes more obvious that it doesn't matter who the freshmen are that you can't win with them. And so I do think Calipari, to his credit, I think he's continuing to evolve. I think he's looking more at grad transfers as a serious option. I think he's looking at players who might be two- or three-year guys. Now, Calipari can't help that some of them end up transferring. But I do think, like, to his credit, I think he knows that it's been a while since he got an Anthony Davis or a Carl Anthony Towns. He's tried to adjust as best he can. I actually like the idea of taking a couple transfers, taking a couple – uh, you know, five-star guys, four-star guys. And by the way, I think it's worked out. Uh, Elite Eight this year, they were a player or two away from going to the Final Four. Elite Eight in 2017, Sweet 16 in 2018. Like, I actually think it's actually worked out pretty well for him. Well, to his credit, he actually does more with the guys he's now missing out on than the other coaches that get them. I mean, sure. that there's proof of that. 
But for some reason, he's just not getting them like he used to. And I think that's why Kentucky's always going to be really good. They're going to be talked about as a top five team next year. They're going to win a bunch of games. But in re- you know, there's a reason I think there's been a four-year drought in the Final Four. Now, look, one bounce goes your way. Maybe you end up getting there. But that's that's the only difference in the Kentucky teams in the last four years than the previous ones. You don't have a Carl Towns. You don't have a John Wall, an Anthony Davis, a Michael Gilchrist, a DeMarcus Cousins. You know, Some of those guys, like, it is, like a Zion and an RJ, they've decided to go elsewhere and you know, imagine what Kentucky would have been this year if they got Zion Williamson. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. unreal. Oh, I know. No, I know. I, I'm I'm with you. I um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like the last. I guess I don't know. Maybe Kevin Knox. I mean, and, and if Jaden McDaniel's commits, then that's probably a little bit of a different ball game. Even though I think Jaden McDaniel's is more of a work in progress. But, um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of the last like really, really, really elite guy. I think it was probably Kevin Knox. Who was about top five, top six. So. All right, Nick, uh, now that we're done uh, getting you off your high horse, you and Coach K, anything else that you want to talk about before we uh, get out of here today? No, I'll just add, uh, obviously, Todd's been listening to my show, so you guys should too. It's uh, noon, uh, not noon to three, not anymore. It's 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on 790 KRD. I know a lot of you listening aren't in the Louisville area, but you can find it on the iHeartRadio app. That's right. I wonder if Todd learned about your show through this podcast. I don't know. I'm sure he did. Well, either way, we uh, we really, really um, appreciate your time, Nick. Again, as Nick mentioned, you can hear his show Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 Eastern, 790 KRD in Louisville. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the Aratora Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Instagram, Aaron, underscore Torres, underscore sports, underscore podcast. Also, if, like Todd, you want to come after Nick Coffee on this show, Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Everybody have a good day.